This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Whether the action is at the link or the bank, there's never an off day on Broad Street. It's the biggest news of the day, every day, with takes from someone who's never short on them. It's WIP Daily with Joe Giglio. Welcome on in, WIP Daily. Joe Giglio with you. Appreciate everyone listening, subscribing, following the podcast, of course, the 94 WIP YouTube page. Put up a lot of our video podcasts there. Myself and Tucker Bagley. Go check it out. Subscribe to the page. Also, Go Birds puts up a lot of their podcasts there. The High Hopes guys. Uh, and, of course, a lot going on right now in Philadelphia sports with the Phillies a couple wins away from the World Series. But the Eagles made a splash out of nowhere a couple days ago. And it just completely caught me off guard. I'll give you my perspective on on my reaction to the signing. And then kind of dive into what this means, where it could go from here, why the Eagles may have done this, and the role for Julio Jones. So I'm driving home, uh, you know, middle of the afternoon after the midday show uh, a couple days ago, and I hear Elliot is on with Marks and Reese, and Marks breaks the news that the Eagles had signed Julio Jones. And at first, I thought it was it was like fake. Like maybe there was a fake report, and he got tricked a little bit, and it's it, it can't be real. Like Julio Jones? Really? Now? And obviously it turned out to be real. Marks doesn't get fooled on the air. He knows what he's doing. But I just thought my first instinct was like, this can't be real. And it was real. And Julio Jones is an eagle now. And look, there's a lot to unpack here on why they did this, what his role could be. The The cool part is they're signing one of the great receivers of all time. I, you know, Julio Jones is second all time in NFL history in yards per game as a wide receiver. 87.9. He had five different years of Averaging over 100 yards per game, including 116.9 yards per game in his probably his best year in 2015 on 136 catches. The guy's unbelievable. I mean, he's an all pro many times, handful of times, pro bowler, even more than that. Great player. Now, he's not that player anymore. You know, he's now 34 years old. We're talking about a player that the, the drop is so precipitous. I mean, you go back 2018. 1,677 yards, okay? Then it goes to 1,394 the next year. Then 771. Then he goes to Tennessee, because obviously all those great years in Atlanta. Tennessee, two years ago, 434 yards. You play with A.J. Brown there. And then in Tampa Bay last year with Tom Brady, 299 yards. We've gone in a five-year span from nearly 1,700 yards in a season to less than 300 yards per game of 104.8 to less than 30. It is a precipitous drop here. But 
I always think there's something cool to contending teams taking on players that are at the end of their career that were once great. Because although they've fallen, if the baseline is so super, super high at their peak, then their fall is still better than most players. So can Julio Jones, as a number three type of wide receiver, still provide something? That's what we're going to find out. I I like the idea of doing this. I don't really see the downside as long as everyone is on the same page and that they could fit him in here. Now, health is the big issue with him. Can he get on the practice field? Can he get up to speed? Can you rely on him? Because essentially, the way I view this is this is the upgrade the Eagles are going to make a wide receiver. I'd be surprised if the Eagles go trade for a wide receiver now. So Let's say the Eagles had decided in the past week or two, Quez Watkins is on the IR now, Lamade Zacchaeus, they probably view as more of a number four receiver than a number three receiver. So let's say in the last week or two, they decided they need to get themselves an upgrade at number three because they don't know what's going on Quez and maybe just unreliable anyway. So they've made the decision now that it's going to be Julio Jones as opposed to trading an asset to go get an available wide receiver. And there's different guys that could be available out there, whether it be... You know, Terrence Marshall down in Carolina, Jerry Judy with the Denver Broncos, maybe Kendrick Bourne with the Patriots. You know, there's a lot of players that could be available. Hunter Renfro with the Las Vegas Raiders. Just, you know, potential names that could be out there. The Eagles have made the decision now that Julio Jones is their wide receiver upgrade. Now, I assume, or I suppose, if he gets hurt in the next week or two, they could also pivot and, and then trade for a wide receiver. But let, let's say he stays healthy enough in the next week or two. We get to the NFL trade deadline right before Halloween. There's no more upgrades coming. So this this is the wide receiver upgrade. So in itself, it is, it's some high risk because he's not a reliable player, hasn't been now for years with health issues, but it's high reward. His, his, his floor is still something because he's Julio Jones. I mean, the guy has been an incredible football player for a long time. Now, as far as his role, I I thought it was really interesting yesterday when Nick Sirianni spoke about him and then Julio Jones spoke. They didn't talk about a guy that, you know, barely will get on the field. It seems like Julio Jones is going to play. I love that he said his mentality is to dominate still. He's not thinking about himself as a player in the waning days of his career. So that's that's refreshing. I mean, I, I think there's something to be said that he still thinks he could play, he can help. It reminds me a little bit of last year getting Joseph and Sue. Injuries at defensive tackle, they felt a little thin, the run game wasn't as good, and they get a couple guys that helped them there down the stretch of the season. And who knows, maybe Quez Watkins' injury is worse than we think it is. Just like last year, the Eagles made the move, you know, decided to make those moves around November because one, their run defense was a problem, and two, Jordan Davis was was lost to injury, and it was going to take a while for him to get back. He did by the end. He wasn't the same player as he was in the beginning. Not close to the same player he is right now, obviously. So they made that move to protect themselves. This could be that too. McQuest Watkins could be. This could be a bigger injury than we than we think. He could be out longer than we think. You know, with the way IR is these days. Everyone just gets the four weeks. It doesn't mean everyone has the same four-week injury. You know, Quez Watkins could have an injury that is going to cost him a month and a half. And then who knows with the rehab and getting back, who knows what his season looks like if that's the case. Well, that's a lot of games. And there's a lot of big games coming up in between now and whenever Quez Watkins will be healthy. So I think there's something to this kind of like Sue and Joseph last year. You know, guys that were very high-level players, especially, you know, Sue and Jones kind of fit that bill of superstar players, Hall of Fame players, and then at the end of their career, you know, ring chasing. I mean, that's really what it is, trying to get one, trying to get a shot at a ring. And for Julio Jones, he's never gotten one. He played in one Super Bowl uh, with, you know, with the Falcons when they lost to the Patriots. 
and he was at one point, you know, the most dynamic player on the field when he played. He's not that guy anymore. So the question I have, a couple things. One, how I think they'll use him, where he could help. We'll get to that. But where he plays is going to be fascinating to me because when you kind of line up the Eagles receivers over the past couple years, they had very clear and defined roles and spots you would put them on the field. A.J. Brown outside on one side, Devontae Smith outside on the other side, and then whoever was the slot guy, the slot guy. Alameda Zacchaeus or Zach Paschal, more of the underneath, over the middle, kind of, you know, tough yards, third down kind of receiver that can make a catch for you. Quez Watkins take the top off the defense receiver. Julio Jones doesn't fit either profile. He is a big-bodied, one of the biggest, most physical, and at the, at the time, you know, when he was at his best, fast receivers in the NFL. We're talking about 6'3", 220. I mean, he's, he's your classic outside receiver, and it's why the Falcons traded all they traded to move up to the sixth pick in the draft 2011 to get this guy. He's been remarkable. But when you put him on the field with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, there's nothing wrong with having all three on the field. In fact, it, you know, when it's all said and done, we may look back at, you know, let's say 15, 20 years from now, when the careers are over for all three, and for Julio Jones, it'll be over very quickly, and for the other couple guys, maybe you know, 10 plus years from now, Julio and, uh, excuse me, AJ and, and Devontae will be done. But we may add up the catches, and the receptions, yards, touchdowns that AJ Brown, Julio Jones, and, and Devontae had and say, that was one of the most accomplished trios of receivers we've ever seen on a field at the same time. Like, in, in retrospect, it, it became that, or it kind of in composite became that. You know, think back to Tim Brown and Jerry Rice playing together in, in Oakland when they were older, like things like that. It's like, wow, that, that's a crazy combination that are going to probably share the field at some point. But how do they actually fit on the field together right now? Because they're not all in their primes, clearly. Uh, we know Julio Jones is not close to that. So I, I think there's an assumption right now that Julio Jones will just take the spot that Quez Watkins is is leaving, which is in the slot. And I'm not sure if that's the best use of Julio Jones. I mean, I'm sure he could do it, but Julio Jones's size, speed, profile, is he a slot receiver in this offense? You know, they've talked about wanting the slot in this offense, and it's kind of why they've propped up Quez Watkins so much over the years. They want the slot to take the top off the defense, to be a speed threat, to be a over-the-top threat. That's probably not Julio at this point of his career. So I don't know if this is going to upset the apple cart. I don't know if it's going to be a thing where it's going to take a transition time. You know, And do you want to upset two spots versus just one? But the way I view it is putting AJ on one side, on the outside, Julio Jones on the outside, on the other side, and Devontae Smith in the slot is your best combination. You know, The, the, the pieces of the puzzle seem to fit together the most in that realm. That, that's the way they fit. So that will be really interesting to me to see if they move Devontae to the slot. Are they going to spend time in practice? Now, uh, Devontae missed practice yesterday with a hamstring issue himself. So that's, that adds another layer, like how banged up are they a wide receiver? But when they all are healthy and they're all on the field, whether that be this Sunday against Miami, next Sunday against Washington, however it's going to be, will they put Devontae in the slot? Or will they just say, Julio, you're signed. We need a slot receiver. You play the slot. So that that will be a very interesting part of all this and how they use him and, wh- and where they use him within the trio of wide receivers. The other major element 
to uh, you know why I think they brought this guy in and why they made the choice on him versus, let's say, a trade for someone else. Those names I mentioned earlier, Judy and Hunter Renfro. There's no secret right now. The Eagles are struggling significantly in the red zone. They rank. They come into week seven here, ranked 23rd in the NFL in red zone scoring percentage in terms of touchdowns. We know Jake Elliott's kicked a million field goals, but in terms of touchdowns, they are 23rd in the NFL at 45.5%. To give you an example, the other side of this, Miami leads the NFL at 80.7%. Buffalo, 75%. San Francisco, 69%. So the Eagles are sitting at 45%. And as I look at the teams that are below the Eagles on the list, I only pick out two, one for sure, and maybe two that are good football teams. Okay, I don't think Tampa is a very good football team. They're below them. Las Vegas, not a good football team. Dallas is a good football team, but we know they have issues, and that's not, you don't want to be like Dallas. So they're one that's below the Eagles that I actually consider a good football team. Houston is a maybe. They certainly have shown some spunk. I think they're contenders in the AFC South. They already beat Jacksonville. So they're a maybe, and I like C.J. Stroud, but it's a rookie quarterback, and it's a first-year coach, so you give them some grace there, and they're probably more of an average team than a good team. New Orleans, average. Tennessee, below average. Giants, well below average. Jets, average, but offensively well below average. Pittsburgh, a an average team or below average. So the teams that are below the Eagles, there's one for certain I could say is good, and that's the Cowboys. It's hard to be a good football team if you don't score touchdowns in the red zone. It, it just is. And you look at the top, I would say you're seeing a lot more good football teams in the top half of the NFL in scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Whether you go to Detroit or you go to the Rams, who I think are trending towards being an average to above average team. Baltimore, you know, San Francisco, Buffalo, Miami. So the Eagles have to clean this up. 45.5% is not going to cut it. To give some context on this quickly, last year, the Eagles were third in the NFL at 68% in the red zone. They were excellent in the red zone. 2021, the Eagles were eighth in the NFL. So top 10 in the last two years in the red zone. And then you go back a little further. In 2020, in 2020, they were even 13th. They were top half of the league in a bad year. In 2019, the Eagles were eighth. We haven't seen an Eagles team in quite a while be this poor in the red zone. They were 17th in 2018. I'm sure they were higher than that in 27. They were number two in 2017. I mean, we haven't seen an Eagles team this poor in the red zone. You have to go back to 2016. Doug Peterson's first year here. They got to get this cleaned up fast. Now, how does, eight, how does Julio Jones help there? Well, he's Julio Jones. Even though he's never been a super big touchdown guy in his career, he only had double digits once. I mean, just think about his his profile as a player. He's a guy you could see throwing a jump ball to. He is a big body target. They have a lot of big body targets now for the red zone between AJ, Dallas Goddard, Julio Jones. He profiles as someone that fits really well, could box out. The Eagles do a lot of box out kind of stuff between AJ and Dallas. You know, the way they they maneuver coverage and they could box out defenders who are maybe a little late to getting there. You could see Julio Jones doing this, a similar thing there. So I think he will help, and maybe the most immediate help will be in the red zone. And as far as bringing another high-profile guy to a high-profile room, I, I sometimes I would worry about that. I don't in this instance because there's a connection here. So he was former teammates 
with A.J. Brown. He's an Alabama guy, so I think just you know right away there's a connection to Devontae Smith. There's a connection to Jalen Hurts. There's a connection here with a lot of guys on this football team. And I think much like last year with Sue and Joseph, it's a clear ring chasing. I don't think Julio Jones is here for statistics. I don't think he's here for his next contract. I don't think he's here to get eight touches a game. He's here to help this team win a championship. And I, I love when teams do this, to bring in guys who have been great before. They're not anymore but there's still a floor of good and they can help the football team out. I like the I like the Julio Jones signing. The only downside I see is they are now they they basically this is their lot. They they cast they cast their net. Right? This is the this is the wide receiver upgrade for the rest of the season. And that means not using an asset for the trade market and if Julio doesn't stay healthy, you're you're back kind of to square one. But if he can and they can manage the health he can help down the stretch. Much like Sue last year and Joseph, I think it's a good move for the Philadelphia Eagles. Appreciate everyone listening, subscribing, following WIP Daily. Enjoy game three of the Phillies and the Diamondbacks. We'll talk soon, I'm sure, a lot on the Phils and the Eagles on WIP Daily.